Jim Tincup, and we are broadcasting live from the Greenhouse booth at HR Tech at 7116. If you're here, come by, holler. And we have Daniel Chait, who is a co-founder of Greenhouse. So, you know, he might know something about interviewing, might know something about Greenhouse, but uh, Daniel, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks. I'm Daniel Chait, as you say, co-founder and CEO here at Greenhouse Software, and excited to be here at yet another HR Tech. It's live, there's a lot going on, and uh, let's get into it. Oh boy, and y'all are doing all kinds of stuff at this particular event. You've got like literally 90 different things going on. So Yeah, we're, we're, we're going big. As you should. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's really nice, actually, um, just because, I mean, it's different ways to hit people. You know, you go to a mixer here, you could go to this here. Like, okay, you can't do it all? Great. Come to one or two of them. Done. So we're talking about interviewing, and one of the things I want to ask you is, is your favorite interview question from a candidate in the history of not just at Greenhouse, because you had a company before. Yep. So... You, it could be something that really just made you think, or something that was really, you know, just something that really kind of touched you, but your favorite interview question is that a candidate That a candidate asked, asked yep. us. Yep. You know, for me, I always like the moments where it gets really personal yep. and kind of get beyond, like I feel like there's this um, facade everybody somehow learns that they're supposed to put on at work. And if you can unlearn that, right. it's magic. Yeah. And truly connecting with other people at work as a human being is so rare and so precious. And I, I don't mean to sound fluffy about it. It's truly how great teams are built. And so people are always going to ask about the business and the challenges yeah, yeah. and the opportunities, blah, 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 blah. But when someone says like, hey, you mentioned your kid. Tell me more about your kid. Right. Um, or what do you like to do on weekends? Or, oh, you go camping? I go camping. Where's the best place that you spent a night in a tent? Like yeah. those conversations I've had over the years, those are the ones where I'm like, oh, that's someone who wants to be a real human being at work. I, I love those moments. I love that too. And again, social media can kind of open up some of those doors. Like I still remember at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, I think you let your son cut your hair. <laughs> yes, I did. And I thought that was so genius. I'm like, you know what? First of all, I should have done that bit because you know, my hair grows like weeds. But but it would have been a funny bit. But I, I remember that thing. And I'm like, you know what? That would have been a great bit during a conversation. I was like, hey, tell me about how that came up. Like, yeah. how did that start? I, I will say for those of you out there, handing an eight-year-old an electric buzzer and saying, go for it, like, that takes some guts. Yes, it does. Um, but it, at the time, you know, nobody was going to ever see the back of my head because right. we were on, on Zoom. That's so right. I felt like it was a little bit of a safety And you hack. can always wear a cap. <laughs> You're good. For, for a little while, you can always wear a cap. Exactly. So how do you think right now about resume gaps or gaps in a, a LinkedIn? Like, what's your personal take on the gaps that you might see there in someone's employment history? Opportunity. What do I mean by that? I love that. Hiring is competitive. Yep. It's all about how do you get an advantage for great talent that maybe other companies are overlooking. And right. one of the biggest areas that companies, I think, inaccurately uh, neg candidates for is, oh, there's a resume gap. Yeah. They just take, put them in the bottom of the stack. Just like, oh, you know what? I want. Con it's just like pattern matching. I just want someone whose like, resume kind of looks like everyone else's. And that's just not a formula for success. 100%. So when I see someone with any kind of background marker that doesn't look like everyone else, I always think, is this an opportunity? Is, yeah. Can I find something about this person that others can't? And maybe that resume gap is because they were taking care of a family member or they were doing something interesting in their lives or they had sold a business and right. were trying to figure out their next right. move. Like there's a million and one reasons why someone may not have been working for a given period. And I think there's an assumption that is um, incorrect 
that that person must have not been That's doing something negative. productive. They were unemployable or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, great, if other people have that bias and I, can, and I can win, I win. I, I almost, I've almost gotten to a point in my life where I don't trust a, a resume or someone that has no gaps. <laughs> I don't trust, I mean, I'm jaded that way, where I'm like, you know what, I don't trust that. First of all, you had to have had some gap. Yeah. Or if you didn't, you weren't, you didn't have a time to reflect. Right. I, I mean, I may not go that far, but <laughs> then again, I, you know, I often don't go as far as you in many ways. Um, but look, I do think that um, it's becoming increasingly rare. Yep. I can tell you that my dad had basically one job his whole life and yep. then retired. Yep. That doesn't happen anymore. Nope. You know, p candidates, people are, are much more in control of their own career, which comes with a, which comes with a real cost to those people. I mean, it's hard to manage constantly your career. No one's looking out for you. The companies don't give you that kind of loyalty. That's right. But there's also a huge amount of opportunity and benefit there. They can, you know, they can find the right job for if, themselves. If they it's can not craft. working for them. If it's not, there's, right. They're not beholden or so. Uh, it's a different world in that way, and so I think people who, who build their own careers. Um, so, so I know you're a sports yeah. fan, so I know you'll get this. I tie all of that, that loyalty stuff, yep. I tie that to free agency mm. in sports. Yeah. That's when it all... Yeah, so everyone's in the portal now, right? That's right. That's, <laughs> which is good and bad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you're good, but, it's, but it's different. It is different. If you're good at managing the portal... I mean... For those that don't know what we're talking about, which is probably a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. It, there's a big transformation happening now in the world of college football, That's which right. used to be very much of a system where, you know, the individual players were very beholden to the program, right. the coach would kind of lord it over you, and you were stuck there for four or five years. Period. No choices. No choices. And now it's almost exactly the opposite, where the players can kind of move around at will yeah. and, you know, go to the teams that they want, and they can make money off it at the time. Yeah. And so some programs you're seeing, it's really interesting. Like, some college teams are really adapting well to that. Others aren't. And it's and, a, but it's all changing. And, those, I think that, it's a, and cool. those that aren't are getting left behind. Yeah. And so that's the background, but it's a great parallel to what we've seen in the world of work, where right. similarly companies are finding themselves like, wait, everybody doesn't want to work at my company anymore. Like I remember having my last boss, which was in the 90s, say to me, you know, when I was your age, we did what we told, we waited our turn, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and we didn't question it. Yeah. And like you kids these days, and I'm like, that was slow, hard stop. That was. 25 years ago, yeah. 27 years ago, yeah, yeah. and it's only gotten more so now. It's it's interesting with uh, the commoditization, right? Yeah. We would commoditize, the, and especially in the hourly work, they would look at the hourly uh, employers would look at candidates as, we just turn on the faucet, candidates show up. Yep. And then, you know, we don't want any more candidates, we just shut off the faucet. Yep. Now those same candidates are looking at companies in the same way. It's like, yeah, I want a job. Turn yeah. on the fa faucet. And then, so it's it's really, I mean, it's compelling. Yeah. Yeah. These candidates are now looking at us in much different light ways. For sure. Okay, so now, after we've talked about resume gaps, I want to talk about bias. How do we, how do we, how are you seeing bias being reduced or your best bit take on kind of how to reduce bias in the hiring process? Yeah, well, um, let's talk about where it comes from. Yeah. Before we, you know, that we you know, and I don't think we can solve that in one podcast, but no, let me no, give you like no, a quick no. summary no, of sort of my perspective in there. seven minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, maybe, maybe, your, maybe I can answer the question in that context. So what we think about is, you know, every person makes decisions a bunch of different ways. And some of those decisions you make very quickly and very unconsciously. Right. And so a lot of bias happens simply because of the way that your brain works. Right. And so I've told this story before, but if you think about an optical illusion, we've all seen a lot of fun optical yeah. illusions, right? Yeah. The thing about an optical illusion, it's not your eyes that aren't working. Yep. Your eyes work fine. They see the lines or colors on the piece of paper. 
it's your brain that's getting that's tricked. Right. And that's our right. brains get tricked in optical illusions in very predictable ways that can cause a certain effect. Yep. It, it doesn't mean you're an evil person. No. It doesn't mean your brain is broken. It no. just means, hey, you make decisions a certain way. Similarly, we all make decisions and judgments about people when we meet them based on our experiences and based on the ways that our brains work. It doesn't mean you're a bad person necessarily, right. but it does mean that there are predictable ways in which, for example, people tend to like other people who are similar to themselves. Right, right, right. It's right. called similarity it's bias. Or like me, it's yeah, a yeah. Like bias. It's a very yeah. common thing, right? Yeah. And so if I meet someone I, who, I'm the opposite. I yeah. don't like people like me. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, you, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to be surrounded with people like me. You got it. You know That me. takes some training. That takes some work to get there. That's right. But I think it's a very natural <laughs> thing for people to say, oh, you know, you and I, we talk about college football. That's right. great. I'd love to work with you. Right. Or, you know, you went to the same school as I did, or you look like I do. And those biases, in addition to being unfair to the candidates, cause the company to overlook potentially talented people. So we talked earlier about a bias that people may have against resume gaps. Right. If you can look past that bias and think more deeply about, is this person right for this job, right. you win. And so with that in mind, I think that by far and away, and the science backs this up, the number one thing that companies and teams can do to combat bias in interviewing is structure. Right. Apply some consistency have some plans, and follow through on those plans. So it's a fair treatment. So that you treat candidate everybody fairly and thoughtfully. Right. And so if I'm asking you questions that I'm asking everybody else, yeah. if I'm assessing the answers equally on the same rubric, right. that will both give the candidates a fair shot right. and help the company look past some of those biases and find and get an advantage for candidates that they otherwise may overlook. For the audience, Daniel and I could talk about college football because he went to Michigan and I went to Alabama. So we could talk about football for 30 minutes and it has nothing to do with the competencies or the job or the hiring manager or any of the stuff that's really important. Next candidate comes in, we don't talk about college football and we're talking about all these other things. How do you manage or how do you put A and B together? Apples to apples right. comparison. And then you get to the end and you're like, well, what do you think of those candidates? You're like, oh, that one guy I really connected with, he seems great. That's right. The other one, I don't know. <laughs> You know, you've ever heard that being oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. ah, like, uh, not, you know, there was something, not sure. not sure if I could spend a night in the airport with them, like you hear yeah, about couldn't that. couldn't have a beer. And you're like, yeah. is that the job? <laughs> Are you hiring someone to have a beer with you? Because if so, fine. But like most of us, <laughs> there's stuff that the person needs to do to be successful at their job, and you should really focus on that stuff. 100%, 100%. And I think um, if you can, so you hear that under the term of skills-based hiring, yes. structured hiring, but it's all centered around the idea of like, we have a limited amount of time to spend with those candidates. Let's spend it on stuff that matters. Right. It has all these positive benefits. Obviously, we've already talked about it. Deviases, it makes it more fair for the candidates. It gives the company the ability to identify talent they otherwise might not. Um, it also, by the way, gives a winning candidate experience. Mm. Candidates love the fact that they're being asked relevant questions right. about the job. Right. Right. And about themselves, yeah. Um, I can tell one more story if, yeah, if we have a minute. of course. Um, so at Greenhouse, in our product, there is um, a feature that lets a customer send out a, we call it a take-home test. Right. Send out a piece of work for the candidate to fill in and send back in to be graded. That could be an essay or a writing sample. It could be a piece of code, whatever it is. And the customer has the opportunity to either choose, are we going to grade that anonymously or not? And it's just a choice they can make. Now, over the years, Thousands and thousands of companies have hired tens of thousands of people with these take-home tests, and there's been this wonderful natural experiment where some companies have done anonymous take-home tests and others haven't. Right. What we found statistically is stunning, that the companies who send take-home tests anonymously right. are much fairer. What do oh, I yeah. mean by that? Yeah. Well, we found a discrepancy 
between the number of people who actually even bother to send in the take-home test after it's sent to them to do. Right. Uh, black applicants send them in about 10% fewer if it's not anonymous. Right. But if you anonymize the take-home test, that number evens out. Yeah. So you're losing 10%. Because they feel like they have a shot. Because they feel like they have a fair shot. Yeah. And so you're, you're losing 10% of your black applicants right off the bat just by not anonymizing the grading of their work. Oh, that's... Now, you want to... Part of that is... Uh, a part of me died when I heard that, but a part of it is it's, like... It's tragic, but hopeful, yeah. because it, we yeah. have a tool that can help overcome that bias. Right. You want to hear a second, even more stunning? Is there is a discrepancy in the grades as well. So if the tests are not anonymized, again, Black applicants fare much worse than other applicants. Yet, if the test is anonymized, that discrepancy is eliminated completely. So, yes, it's sad and tragic that that yes, happens. Right. And that's a factor of, again, many things that we probably right. don't have time to get into here. Uh, some benign, others not. Right. But it's also hopeful. Right. Because the truth is, now there are simple know. things that everyone can do. You don't need to buy greenhouse to do it, although it helps. Right. You can just simply grade, take home tests anonymously, and you make huge strides in fairness and equity in how you evaluate candidates. I love it. Two, two things left. One is transferable skills. Yep. How are you thinking currently about transferable skills, the way that you, greenhouse, your customers, and y'all thousands. I remember last time we talked, it was like 8,000, 9,000 customers. So you got thousands of customers that are doing hiring all the time. How are you teaching them or trying to kind of learning from them about how they're looking at transferable skills? Well, yeah, I mean, I think again, you know, the, the core answer that I gave earlier on structure right. really sets the stage here. Because right. if you're opening up a role and you're not first starting to think about the skills and the real criteria that you need in order to accomplish that role successfully, you're off on the wrong foot. Right. So our whole thing is as soon as you create a job, there's an intake process that Greenhouse walks you through where the hiring manager and the recruiting team will sit down together and walk through, okay, what are the skills that we are hiring for in this job? How are we going to assess for those skills throughout the funnel, starting from where we source, all the way through interviews, assessments, take-home tests, and offer? Right. And then, um, based on that, establishing a rubric that every candidate gets pulled through. So to your point, we now have, obviously, millions and millions of jobs that have gone through that process, right. and therefore, a huge database, maybe the biggest in the world, with the most amount of structure about individual candidates, where they come from, what skills they've been interviewed on, who's passed on based on what capabilities all the way down through offering and hiring. I love that. And so it's really powerful data to start to power. If you're thinking about this, you should yeah. also be thinking about this. You this, got this, this, it. This. And so now, oh, you know, if cool. you think about how you take that and then emerging technologies around AI and machine learning and the opportunity for greenhouse to say, okay, the next time a customer of ours opens a job in the future, can Greenhouse more automatically suggest to them, here's what a successful hiring plan for this would look like. Um, we know that people over-interview, for example, right. in certain cases, 100%. because it's hired by committee, so hey, let's throw right. another couple managers in the process. Yeah. Um, we know that people express skills differently, and so I might call you a software engineer, and you might call yourself a programmer, it's actually the same job, yeah, yeah. and so how do we like unify those and, and group them more accurately? All these things are like the, the power of AI machine learning and these large language models is really um, going to benefit us and our customers in, in, in the months and years ahead 100%. for those kind of reasons. All right, I get, last thing is I want to get your take on ghosting. Okay. Both candidates ghosting the hiring yes. recruiters and hiring managers and recruiters ghosting candidates. Yes. Like, what do you what are you seeing? What do you what do you feel about? Well, ghosting? this has been the most persistently, the most uh, 
common complaint that candidates have about companies. Right. For years and years and years, every survey shows that the number one thing that candidates hate about the hiring process, and there's a long list, Fair. but sitting alone at the top of that list is always, they never hear back. That's right. That's just, and so, um, and I get it. I've been a recruiter, right. and they're, in a lot of ways, kind of on the back foot and beholden to their hiring manager saying like, go, 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 go. And so as soon as I interview you, if you're not moving forward to the next step, I as a recruiter, I don't have any use for you anymore. That's right. Right? That's you're right. not you're not between me and my goal of like getting that seat filled. So they just move on to the next person and, right. and, and forget about you. So at the same time, they want to give those people, it's not like they're evil. No. They want to do a good job. No, or let them know where they're in the it's process. It's just hard. I mean, it's a lot of empathy for the recruiter and the recruiting team to actually do that work, which in, in the moment is kind of optional. Right. But big picture has a huge impact on your talent brand and on your pipeline. And so we just aim to make it really easy. Greenhouse, you reject a candidate from your pipeline or you close out a job. Right. You just get prompted, hey, do you want to reach out to the candidates? Let's keep in mind, most of hiring is rejecting. Right. Right. Almost, almost everything you do in recruiting right. so is sales. not about the candidate you're yeah. going to hire. 99% of it is about people you're not going to hire. That's right. So Greenhouse just really focuses on them and say, hey, let's make it really easy. When you close out a job in Greenhouse, we're going to prompt you. Do you want to reach out to all the other candidates and like put them in a, in a talent pool, reach out to them later, sure. send them a nice message. Just let them know. Templates and that kind of thing. Just make it easy. And so our customers are much more likely to just gently let those people know that we're not moving forward with them right. because we make it the default. Right. Uh, and right. so it's a pretty simple piece of workflow, but it has a huge impact on, again, the number one complaint that, love that candidates have. I could talk to you forever, but you know, you've know you got stuff to do today, and maybe flights and stuff like that. So thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a blast. Thanks so much, William. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening. Until next time.